Has anyone done their own reading since you, I handed it out last week? Yeah. yeah. Well, June speaks for everybody. Uh, well, I so, so Victor raised his hand, so he has, he's been reading. Anyone else? Brad? Okay. Did it make sense? Yeah. Well, we're going to go through it because I want, <clears throat> I want to be able to, the important thing about this study is to be able to come to a place where you understand what you're reading. Because the beginning part of this is a lot of historical uh, background to why we have two different views mm-hmm. on free will and predestination. It comes from two different camps. And we're going to look at those two camps and we're going to look at why there is controversy there. And hopefully at the end of coming to the conclusion with everything, that you would be able to make your decision based on the word of God that strengthens and edifies your faith. I'm not trying to convert you into any kind of way of thinking because my preaching is, is centered around the Lordship of Jesus Christ and there's no other way to come to the Father except through Him. Amen. Amen. And the Word says that. And um, there, 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 there isn't any other avenue, there are no other uh, uh, doctrine that needs to be preached other than the fact that we need to believe on Him for our salvation and those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ confess that they are confess that He is Lord, they are saved according to what the Word of God says. Yes, sir. And so, all, all of the other things that come, uh, come as controversy really are doctrinal and theological debates. And so, the thing that is so alarming about predestination and free will is because either you're going to either you're going to believe that Jesus has done an incredible thing by dying for your sins and you understand what that means and you're going to lay down your life as he says to follow him and you're going to believe in the words that he preached and you're going to structure your life and put Put boundaries and God rails in your life so that you can glorify Him in your faith because you believe Him. He says, "For those who those who believe in Me, they will keep My commandments." Mm-hmm. And so, all of the teachings of Jesus really is centered around us having a vibrant relationship with Him, where we are choosing on a daily basis to honor Him and serve Him in faith. We choose to do this. In the Bible, and we're going to read scriptures that basically tells us that, you know, even though we're choosing to do this, it is not the choice coming within or without ourselves. It is the work of the Spirit in us that is enabling us to actually see Jesus for who He is and want to have Him in our lives as our Lord and Savior. Your flesh does not care less about who Jesus is. Amen. And... If you have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, and that means that you have not been redeemed of your old sins. That means you are still a sinner, and you're still in your old nature. is just as much alive today as it was uh, before you started coming to church. But if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us in Second Corinthians five, you know uh, that that if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold. All things will become new. All things will become new. All things are become new. 
And so we're going to look at why these scriptures and why it is so profound and why it's so important, I should say, that we understand why we believe what we believe. Alright, so I'm going to be calling on you to read. And if you don't want to read, raise your hand now so I don't call on you. Okay. You don't want to read. So I got three people who don't want to read. Gotcha. All right. No problem? No problem. Yeah, you don't have no option. All right. Yeah, she, she just did that just to be facetious. All right. So... Let's start. Open up your hand. Your, your hand out. On the front it says free free will versus the, uh, predestination. Calvinism and Arminianism explain. So we're going to understand who these people are. Calvinism, Arminianism. Who are these characters? Who are these 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 pictures that we are that we are about to embark upon? The expression free will or predestination. The expression being saved points to the beginning of a wonderful relationship with God. These words mean much more to Christians because they encompass much. A new relationship with God and other people, a renewal of our hearts and minds, the growth of faith and obedience in our lives, and much more. How does this salvation happen? More importantly, once we are saved, can we lose our salvation? Is sharing the good news of the gospel even necessary? Do we have to do anything to be saved? Before seeing two ways to answer these questions, let's focus on the point with which all Christians agree. Regarding God's merciful work of salvation, Christians agree that, number one, because of sin, all humans need God's grace. Can I get amen? Amen. Number two, salvation from sin and condemnation is an act of God. Amen. Amen. Number three, salvation is accompanied, I mean, is accomplished by grace through faith in Christ. Amen. Amen. And four, works, good works, or works of the law cannot lead one to salvation. Amen. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. amen. Alright. However, Christians do not agree on how God's sovereignty and human freedom or free will relate to each other in connection to salvation. Two views answer these questions quite differently. From a Calvinistic predestination or an Armenian view, free will. Although the answer the answers available are not simple, they are important for our understanding of God's mission in the world and our responsibility as believers. Now, all of this needed to be said because it is very crucial that we understand these things. So let's look at the side-by-side comparisons. This pamphlet will define and explain the terms of the following table. So, Arminianism says what? It says total depravity and free will, also called human ability. Now, what they're explaining here in, in, in these columns is the ideology or the philosophy and theology of a point of view that is taken from Scripture. And we're going to get into the details and the history of who these guys are. But this is what this is all about. Arminianism is saying, man, human, is total depravity, yet has a free will. Also is called human ability. Your free, your free will, my free will, gives us the ability 
to choose. Mm -hmm. That's what our that this this is the foundation and of Arminianism. Now, Calvinism says this: Yes, the humans are total depravity. There's a total depravity of the human nature, also called radical depravity, which means that there's nothing, no way, no how you and I can make a decision to lead us toward God. Therefore, it's, it is either total or total inability. You and I don't have the ability to choose God. It's not in us to choose God because of total depravity. This is the foundation of the Calvinistic view. Alright? Mm. Number two, Arminianism. Conditional election. Conditional election mm -hmm. simply means that we are choosing God. It's the grace of God towards us and that works towards us. But in in our choice, we choose Him. Right? You're not sure about that. Mm -hmm. Conditional election. Calvinism says unconditional election, also called sovereign sovereign mm -hmm. election. Mm -hmm. What they're saying here is that, you know, <laughs> because God is so awesome in His love. That he has chosen us. And the Bible tells us. God says you have not chosen me. But I have chosen you. Mm -hmm. Correct? Mm -hmm. Right. So where where does the conflict lie? Where does the confusion begin? And we're going to look at all of that. Because Calvinism says. Because we don't have the ability to choose God. And God knew that. God chose us. And this is what we're saying. Arminianism. Universal redemption. God is, wish, is willing that none should perish, mm -hmm. but all come to the repentance, that they may receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior and make him in their home, right? Mm -hmm. It's also called general atonement. See, these are terminologies that you probably never heard before, but you need to understand what they mean because general atonement simply means that, that there, there, there is no blanket atonement out there uh, that's way, you know, that's, that's just... Uh, uh, for those only who God is going to select. General atonement is that I make a decision to come to God. God draws on me. I draw. I go close to Him. He is pulling me. And that in itself is God's sovereignty and God's love. God choosing me through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I respond to that conviction by a choice. So therefore, the atonement now is given to me because I say, yes, Lord, I, I want you, I receive you. That's what that means, general atonement. Now, Kevin, I, I was just going to say, I'm kind of confused on that. And I know you're going through it, you're going to explain that to us. But when it says universal redemption and then also called general atonement, to me that says that, that everybody is atoned for because it's universal. Universal redemption. And everybody, atonement. everybody, everybody. Everybody is in God's in God's love mm -hmm. has given has given the ability for atonement for redemption. Mm -hmm. God so loved the world. Yes, sir. That is universal redemption okay. in itself, right there. Okay. All right. Now, Calvinism says limited atonement is limited, also called particular, purposeful, or definite atonement, mm. which means that. God has determined that only so many people are going to be saved. 144. God has determined it. Well, that right there is, is another, is another uh, study in itself. 
So where does God contradict himself? If God says, I'm, I'm not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso, whosoever believe on him. That right there in itself. That right there in itself. Whosoever believe on him shall be saved. Right? Mm-hmm. So the next one. Gra- this is the column of Arminianism. Grace can be resisted. This is uh, and this I mean uh, yes Arminianism says that God's grace is projected on human on, on humans and God loose his love on us but we have the ability and the choice to reject his love so the grace that God gives us or God disperses can be rejected Right? right. Calvinism says irresistible grace, also called uh, effectuous. Yeah, effectuous or uh, effectual grace. Efficacious. I'm sorry, you're right. That's what the word is. Efficacious. Efficacious. Efficacious or effectual grace. That means that God has determined it, and so it's going to be. You and I, if God chooses you, you have you you have no no power to resist the grace that God that God uh, uh, dispersed towards you. You will receive it because it is not us who's doing it; it's God is doing it, and God is God is the one that's going to set you know that settle the whole issue here. You cannot regret you, you and I cannot resist God's grace. That's the Calvinistic view about it. Lastly, Arminianism. Possibility of falling from grace. This is where we get the the term backsliding. Calvinist, you know, Calvinism says preservation of the saints, also called preservation of the saints, are uh, <coughs> yeah, perse- perseverance of the saints, also called preservation of the saints, are believers. So what what they're saying here is that. God is the one that's given us the ability to persevere. It's not in our own works. It's not in ourselves. God has given us that. So therefore, we are preserved. There's nothing you can do. That Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. And there's no such thing as falling from grace. There's no such thing as falling into the point of backsliding where you nullify or you uh, walk into a place of condemnation in your salvation. Yeah, that's what, and that's what we get to, that's what we, you know, those of us who believe and those who believe in Arminianism uh, identify this, this point of Calvinism by saying, uh, there's no such thing as one saved, always saved. Because there's enough scripture in the Bible to tell us and warns us uh, to not, you know, to be careful that we do not mm-hmm. uh, take for granted the work that Christ has done or we don't trample over the cross. And, and how can you, how can you once again be redeemed once you have trampled? the grace of God and crucified once again the Son of Man. So, this is going to be interesting. Right? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to, you're going to have to, going to, have to I, I, I pray, I, I pray that we don't just take these things for granted, but we go home and we begin to explore. So, let's look before we get into the history, 
predestination in history. How many life, no, first of all, how many life history? Yeah? Okay, good. That's a good sign. Because the more you get into the background of biblical history, the more you understand the the word of God, not for the sake of doctrine or theology, but for the sake of the, of the heart of God in the word. And you can understand the background and, and the settings that make people formulate or create certain culture ideologies to justify how they want to use scripture. For instance, Augustine. If you, does anyone know anything about the history of St. Augustine? Well, we're not, I'm not going to get into that because that's too, that's too lengthy. But let's, let's read that. Pastor Morris, why don't you read uh, the, uh, the first paragraph there on Augustine. Augustine, 354 through 430. He was the Bishop of Hippo, a city in North, Northern Africa, present-day Anaba, Algeria. An influential Christian thinker, his works continue to be studied. In his book, Confessions, Augustine concluded, among many other things, that every area of the human nature was corrupted by the effects of sin. All right, so this is where, this is the launching pad of where uh, John Calvin began to look at the Word and look at the Bible from Augustine's writings. Had a great influence on him. And so, as you read and you do any history on Martin Luther, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna understand where his influences come from. And Augustine was one of his influences. So, let's look at uh, Martin Luther. Who wants to read that? Judith. So, when you read Luther's Reformation and you understand that he was completely going against the, the, the priests of his day who were pharisaical in the way that they were ruling the people as priests of his time, you can understand that he, was a, he really was a, uh, a reformer. Uh, he was a revolutionist of his time to make people look at the Word of God for themselves and not be governed by the priests of the day who was using the temple and the word of God for their own benefits. Mm -hmm. And they created a whole lot of laws and words um, uh, and, and, you know, and, 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 and things that they did particularly so that they could control the people and keep themselves in a place of power and in authority. And so it was a, it was a very needed, you know, 
frankly, he needed to be the person that he was. The only problem with, with the whole situation is that what he was and what he believed got, got uh, 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 built on by others who were also following him, just like anything else. And, and we're going to look at how that happened. So, he believed that in his book, The Bondage of the Will, he debated that, uh, he debated that the human will is so corrupted that unaided, unaided, that unaided, that means that outside of ourselves, with no ability within ourselves, we are unable to do any good, any righteousness that we may have comes from God's grace. Now, when you read that, there's a lot of truth in that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of truth there. So that part of his philosophy of the word of God is completely truth. So where did he begin to get off the Richter? Where did he begin to slide down the cliff with some of his thinking? Well, just like Augustine influenced Martin Luther, John Calvin was influenced by Martin Luther. Three can read John Calvin. John Calvin, 1509 to 1564. As a reformer, Calvin had a profound influence on Protestant theology. In his mercy, God decided to save many people from from this condemnation in his sovereignty. God chose and called those who would be saved. Humans, being unable to reach out to God, received God's salvation without deserving it. That this election happened according to God's will is proof of God's sovereignty, mercy, and love. Calvin's view, sorry, Calvin's view are well presented in his debate with the Dutch theologist, theologian, sorry, Albert Hanumhaz, and his book, The Bondage and Liberation of the World. Alright. Mm. So, these guys, these, these people, they are meaning well. They, they, are, they are not looking to create something that's going to erode away the truth of God's word or Make the God, you know, make God's word, uh, in, you know, uh, fallible in some sense. They are looking at their day and age, and what they're doing is they are trying, they are trying to build on the truth that they already have. The problem with the problem with this is that anytime we take another man's idea of truth, there you go. Mm, Say that. Anytime we take another man, another man's idea of truth, and we try to build on that truth, we we tend to move into gray areas of truth for the sake of facilitating our ideology of that truth. Because we all have a perception about what we read. Don't we? And because we all have a perception about what we read, I can read something written by a theologian and, and, and take that and go, wow, I understand what he means. And I begin to give my own my own ideology and philosophy of that writing, and before you know it, I'm just a little bit off from the original foundation of what he was trying to say because I have to justify my thought process on what I read. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? Yeah. This is why it is dangerous when we start creating theologies and doctrines based on another man's perception of truth. 
Amen. Are you following me? All right, so the Reformed churches. Uh, June, read that. Can you see it? Yeah. All right. Reformed churches. These are churches that follow Calvinistic teaching. They originate in countries like the Netherlands, Switzerland, France, and Germany. The Presbyterian churches also Calvinistic originate in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. All right, so this this is the stronghold of those of the doctrinal umbrella of these churches. So, isn't it isn't it if you if you listen to the preachings and teachings of the day, you hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. They are on the radio mm-hmm. every day. They're on the radio every day. If you listen to any Christian radio station, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. And the only time you really it, it can pick up on, on the subtleties of it is if you understand what they're communicating. Hmm. If you understand what they're communicating. There's not many Armenian preachers on the radio station. There aren't many. There's, there's a select few. Most of them are Calvinistic in their in their point of view, scripture and doctrine. Yeah, they, they are predestinations. Pre, predestined, predestined what? They're predestined. Yeah, June. Uh, is that good or bad? Are, should we still continue to listen to them or what? Well, we'll do. You can make that choice at the end of this study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, see, that's the, going to get there. That's that. That is that is the debate, and that is this is where Arminianism and, and, and Calvinism have their conflict. But I'm a, I'm gonna tell you, I got my point of view about both, and we're gonna look. And we, like I said, once you start taking someone else's point of view and start trying to build on it, you you begin to have an you begin to adopt an idea of of, of truth versus. Walking in the absoluteness of truth, and we're gonna and we're gonna look at those things, Eric. So, do you think the reason why um, a lot of the preachers today that are on the radio go to the lean more to the once saved, always saved, is because of the fact that the other form of teaching that they're teaching, like name it, claim it, or prosperity teaching, do you think that that it falls under that umbrella? So, you think that's why they lean more towards that? I don't know. It could be, but but. In the last 15 years, the Reformed churches have gotten a surge. There's been a big surge in the last 15, 20 years of the, of the Reformed theology. And churches that were once Arminianism in their, in their foundational uh, teaching have abandoned them because that, that, that surge is, is real. The Reformed churches are, are, very, are very dominant right now. So... Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna let you decide. You. <laughs> oh, so these things are. I'm not. I'm not. Um, there, like I said, I have my opinion on both sides, and I think that there are some things that we need to be very clear about from the Word of God, and we need not to 
be caught in any camp for the sake of saying I'm in this camp. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's healthy. I think what, what, what we do need to understand is what the Word of God says, Code, and then and and receive the Word of God as children. Mm, that's good. Receive it as children. Let's not try to receive the Word of God as if we are as if we are theologians or we are you know and uh, in, 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 in instructors that don't need to be taught by the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Receive it as children that are willing to be taught with an innocent and open heart to let God speak to us, and He will. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. Amen. We need Well, from a Calvinistic view, they say Arminianism is 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 a work-based salvation. That's what they said. They said, you know, people who are based in the Armenian camp are people who are working to do righteous things uh, that God says your righteousness as a, is as a filthy rags. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. There's nothing you can do on your part to determine... Uh, uh, that you're going to be saved, I mean, that you're going to stay saved or not, because the work of the cross is already done in Christ Jesus. So therefore, it is a it's a false teaching to put people in bondage of trying to please God in their flesh. <coughs> Make sense? Well, we're gonna well, we're gonna look at that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you conclude. <laughs> scripture is going it, it, Scripture speaks for itself. So let's read the student of Dorts. It's still the door. Anybody want to read that? It's not. It's not a dart. It's not a dart. It's not. I think it's not. Sinod. Okay, Sinod. Who, oh, who wants to read that? Victor, go ahead. Almost ten years after the death of Arminius, <coughs> the Reformed theologians in the Netherlands called a Synod Assembly in the town of Dordrecht. The Synod responded to a document named the Remonstrance of 1610, which Arminius' disciples drafted. The canons of Dordrecht professional document of Reformed churches outlined their view on God's sovereignty, election, grace, and salvation. <coughs> now, this synod, this 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 dart that was that was uh, presented. Is that like a council or a symposium? Like yeah, it is. It's 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 a it's a collective council of men or churches who have uh, authority in in these areas. And what they did, they came together, all of these men, all of these churches came together, and their leaders. So they're came, like bishops. Yeah, they came together, and they they decided that they did not want the that John Calvin's uh, uh, perspective on predestination to turn into something weird, or to go into a different arena, or, or have uh, various different views to it. So they came together, and they created this document and said that this is the document that's going to rule over all our churches and our and our denominational belief or predestination. And this and this is when it was written, this is why it was written, 
so that so that all the churches can have one creed, one understanding about what that means according to scripture. And that's why I was there. Yes? Is this where the Apostles' Creed was originated? Good question. I, was, I, I, knew, I, I knew you or someone, one of the Bible students was going to actually ask that question. This is exactly where it was created. The problem with it is, <laughs> the, 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 they took this, this dart, this, this documentation, the Catholic Church got a hold of it, and that is where the Disciples' Creed was actually originated. Yeah. Absolutely. Versions of it, and I was in a Reformed Baptist church in Corona. Oh, it was a long document. And you look up on Wikipedia someplace, and it's just a little short thing. Yeah. You're right. I mean, and, and they shorten it for the, you know, for the, and, and, and the reason why it's so long is probably because they took some of the original language from this particular document. It is signed out of dark. All right. Any questions? Let's let's read script. Let's get some scriptures on on uh, predestination. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Then these are scriptures that 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 is often used uh, to to substantiate this position. So let's start. Let's start with Ephesians one eleven. No, Ephesians one five and verse eleven. Verse five and verse eleven. That's more. Say Ephesians one, verse five and verse eleven. Ephesians one verse five, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Verse eleven. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Alright, so you hear that word twice. Mm-hmm. And we, when you read it when you read it in text, it, it sounds as if you know God that's what God is saying. God says, I predestined you. Now, read verses one through five. <clears throat> okay. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful of Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us unto adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Alright, now, did you get that? Mm-hmm. Read verse 4 again. <coughs> according, according, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, that sounds like God did all of that Without our permission. What do you think? He did. We were here. Well, he said that we were made holy before the end of the world, but he didn't say anything about after the fall. Okay, Rodney. 
Rodney picking his straws now. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, I know your point, though, Rod. I get your point. So if God predestined us before the foundations of the world, what is He seeing here? Is He actually saying that's what He means, or is He speaking in 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 terminology that has everything to do with the love of God and the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. that that works through his love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's spoken in, in a similitude of a parable in the sense that God is love. God was love before the foundation of the world. And as we live in God, we must live in God in love because that, that is what solidifies us as his. Yeah, but, but that part is all true and everyone, and everyone gets that and understands that. It's just that God, here scriptures tells us that before the foundation of the world that God chose us. Mm-hmm. That this is something that God did before we even knew anything about Him. God did this, and He said so that we walk in love in Him. Mm-hmm. He did this; we didn't do this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty interesting. And then in verse eleven, said, read it again. Verse eleven says, "In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him." Who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Okay, then we, we have we have obtained a, an inheritance. Now, God chose us before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. That we should walk in love. Mm-hmm. But we do not get an inheritance until we walk in him. Mm. So can that go along with when he spoke, spoke of Jeremiah? When he says, I, I, I knew you while you were yet in your mother's womb. And I formed you and made you. And called you to be a... a uh, yeah, a, a prophet. Prophet. Yes. Yes. So did did Jeremiah have the ability to say no to that? He did. Very much so. Well, it, it, yeah. He could he could have said no because he has a free will. He didn't have to. He didn't have to answer the call. There are many men. There are many men. Like the Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. There are many men that have a call in their life, but but okay. choose to walk away from it. Okay, we're gonna get there. Andy, say what now? I chose you. I chose you. Yeah. Um, when you're still in the womb. Yeah. Before in a different version, it says, "Even before I made the world, God, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes." Yeah. So He chose us to be holy without fault in His eyes. Okay. Which means? Which means. He's talking about the fall. Before the fall. <laughs> yeah, Eric, I see. I see. I see the point that you're making. But go ahead. Okay, here's a question, guys. Here's a question, and and this is for you, Rodney, since you brought that up. The whole purpose of Christ is for what? Redemption. Save us. Redemption. Excuse me? Reconciliation. Redemption, right? So, if Rodney, if you're making a point about God chose us and, and, and he did this before the fall, then why would he have Christ before the fall? Excuse me? Up there one. 
Okay, what does and what does that have to do with the with the fall of man? I'm gonna, we're gonna break all this down. I hope you guys are paying attention. Amen. Yes, Dora. Okay, so I think that what that means is God created us purposely to fellowship with Him. Yes, He did. Mm-hmm. He did not, His heart was not for us to fall at all. Mm-hmm. Correct. He, he didn't even have that in mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So when he, when, all, when He's saying this, basically He's saying, I've created you. So that we can be together, so that we can, uh, what is that, be in relationship. Mm-hmm. The fall had nothing to do with anything. He just, basically, the fall was like, okay, now I have to come up with a plan. Even though he is God that knows everything, but that's not why he created us with that intention. Because if that is the case, we're going to have to go back to the very beginning. And why Satan, I mean, Lucifer became Satan. And now that, Mr. Rodney, will trip you. Because that means <laughs> that God had to have created Satan purposely to do what he to did. Be to be a rebel. And God knows, and that's not God's at all. <laughs> so uh, we, can't, we, can't, we, can't, we can't look at it that way. Because then we truly have to go back to the very beginning. Okay, now see, now, now you're double talking. And, we, and we're going to come back to that part. All right, so... Someone, someone give me Romans chapter 8, verse I want to give a shot at that. Okay, 
This is what his original purpose is. Okay. Was. And so like I said, then he had to come up with plan, another plan because of mankind. Do you, really, do you really think God had to come up with Well, what plan? I mean by that, what I mean by that is that that was not his original plan. So therefore, then he had to come up with something. That mean I didn't I don't know how I should explain it. Okay. But meaning that he did that was not his intent. So then okay. something had to happen. Yeah, okay, well, we're going to, you're going to have terminology and everything before it's all said and done. Uh, read, read verse 29 again. Okay, whom he foreknew. Talking about us. In our part version, it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay, now this is it. Now, we're reading scriptures that, that predestination used to justify why they believe what they believe. Keep that in mind. That's what we're reading. We are reading scriptures that, that, that give them the foundation of their of their faith. That give them the foundation of their doctrinal base. That's what we're reading right now. Read verse 30 again. Okay, stop right there. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. What what is that call word? What is that call? That's salvation. Now go ahead. Okay, what is that? What does that word justified mean? It is it just it means it's justified. It it is a finished work in Christ. Not our righteousness, but his righteousness. Go ahead, read it again. Okay. What does that glorify mean? What does that mean? eternal life. Absolutely. That we will spend eternity with him. Mm-hmm. And, and keep reading. And that's it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So, when we read this, we, we yeah, I mean, we read all these things and we just put them all together without really thinking about what's been said here. Those he foreknew, he called. Why? Because he had predestined them. And those who he those who he, he called what he justified, and those whom he justified, he glorified. Now Paul starts off writing this. Paul starts off writing this because what he's trying, what, what, and what Paul is trying to communicate to the Romans is that you are trying to justify yourself through the seed of Abraham. You're trying to justify yourself through the works. You're trying to justify yourself through being a Jew. But you need to understand something here. The work of Christ covers all of that madness. And unless you're coming to Christ, Mm -hmm. and unless you're coming to God through Christ, then you are not right with God. Mm -hmm. That's what he's trying to communicate here. Mm -hmm. Unless you're coming to the Father through Christ, you are not right with God. And so, you are saying, well, we are the seed of Abraham. Well, God can raise up the rocks to be the seed of Abraham. That's what he said. And this is what he's trying to communicate here. He's trying to let them know that, listen, 
Yes, God had God chose you as his people, but God's plan goes beyond the seed of Abraham. Mm -hmm. This is what he was trying to get him to understand. God's plan for redemption goes beyond the seed of Abraham. This is why he told Abraham, through you, the nations of the world will be blessed. Mm -hmm. Because Abraham is the prototype of of believing in faith, not by nothing else. Mm -hmm. That's why I called him friend. All right. So it's important that we that we understand that you know the foundation and the essence of what we said or what we believe these things because then you're not you're not mixing the wrong. I mean, you can't put the wrong ingredients and say so you're making a cake. When you put salt instead of sugar. <laughs> you can't do that. If you're going to bake a cake, then you need the right ingredients. Alright, so, Psalm 65, 4. Anybody? Verse 4, yeah. Psalm 65, verse 4. Anybody? What joy for those you choose to okay. bring near. Those who live in your holy courts. What festivities uh, await us inside your holy temple. Okay, read it slower and read it out loud again. What joy for those you choose to bring near. Those who live in your holy courts. What festivities that await us inside your holy temple. Okay, that word chose right there. It says, the one you choose to bring near. What does that... These are just scriptures that they're using to say, listen, God is the one who's choosing us. We're not choosing, we're not choosing Him. He's choosing us. Proverbs 16, 4. So the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. The wicked for the day of evil. The day of evil. These are scriptures that they are using to justify the foundation of predestination. Now someone else other than Louis here. <laughs> Matthew twenty-four thirty-one. <laughs> Louis got fast fingers. I know he does. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew what? Twenty-four? Twenty-four? Twenty-four what? Thirty-one. And he will send his angels with the Okay, that is, so is, what's the key word there? Elect. That's the key word there. Elect. So they're saying God, God is going to get his elect. Who are the elect? The one he's already predestined. These are scriptures that they use. I'm just telling you. Luke 18, 7. We're not. We are. We are predestination. Uh, predestination is right now, Ronnie. Right? 
Luke 18, 7. Got some ours. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he hear long with them, though he bear long with them? Shall not God hear and save his own elect? So these are words. These, once again, these are... 17? Yeah, 18, 7. 7. Seven. Seven. Oh, I have seventeen. Seven. That's what I'm saying. Please, I don't know how. That's seventeen. You said seven. That's what it's supposed okay. to be. I'm sorry. Pastor, what was Matthew? Matthew twenty four thirty one. So these are scriptures that that they are using to justify predestination. God is they're taking these and they and see. I want you to go because they're taking these out of context. Yeah. Some of these have been taken out of context to make a point. Yeah, I know. I, I know it was. They're, they're taking out of context to make a point. All right. So, uh, Romans eight thirty three. Romans bring a charge against God's elect. Once again, that word elect, they're using it as a foundational <laughs> premise for saying that God elected us. Yeah, they definitely all faith. Alright, so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you scriptures here. Just start writing them down, okay? okay. Oh, slowly. There you go. Slowly. Acts. 15 <laughs> verses 17 and 18 Acts 15 verses 17 and 18 you got that? Acts what? 15 verses 17 through 18 see it doesn't matter how slow I go All right. Romans Romans chapter 9 Verse 11. <laughs> Romans chapter 9, verse 11. <laughs> Next verse. Romans, the same as the previous. Chapter 11, verses 5 through 7. That rhyme. Romans chapter 11, verses 5 through 7. I'm loving it. You got it. Alright, First Thessalonians. This is a break. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse four. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse four. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. Titus chapter 1 verse 1 Titus chapter 1 verse 1 First Peter chapter 1 verse 2 First Peter chapter 1 verse 
to. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. All right. That's it. again I said and I mean as people who believe in the finished work of the cross mm-hmm. we should not be trying to be found in any camp amen yeah. amen amen doc. we should be able to go to the word of God and be able to extract truth out of that word and say this is what God says mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes um, I, I think it's good too to read you know the the chapter you know what i mean because taking it's like a trail mix i was telling my mom like it's like just taking the m&m's out of the trail mix and leaving the peanuts and the raisins you know it's like you gotta you you gotta take it for all what it is no you that's very good that's very good and that's why i wanted to read when i i gave the example of of uh, our original text reading ephesians chapter one verses if you read verse one through five then you get the gist of what number what verse five really it really does mean and so then you read down to it, and, and, and Paul reiterates it in verse 11. But you understand why he is re, he's reiterating because he has made a point, verses 1 to 5. So this is important, church. Listen, guys. It, it is important that we, that, we, that we know why we believe what we believe. And when people start talking about the different arguments of this and that, you know, I think the devil has done a very crafty job in, in creating a division in the people of God for the sake. I think a lot of it has to do with pride. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, you, know, you know familiarity. And I want to look at the word of God. This pamphlet is a very good pamphlet because it, di- it dissects it. And it, left, it, it, it forces you to come up with your own conclusion and why you believe it. Mm. And so we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of time working on this. Uh, so please read it. Uh, if you get an opportunity, read the free will in history part. So when we come next week, we can just go go right through that because we're gonna look at scriptures that justify uh, the Armenian foundation of free will also. And we're gonna look at how how that, if not careful, can also be a snare. That can be a snare. Because at some point in time, we we need to understand what rest looks like in salvation. Mm. <laughs> yes, sir. Hmm. And we need and we need to under, rest. 
We need to understand what that looks like. That doesn't mean inactivity. Right, right, exactly. And so anyway, it's going to be good. Amen. Yes? Uh, Monday we were talking to a young man, and he was he's, uh, from Texas, and he was mm-hmm. just sharing with us going to, why he's not going to church, actually. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff that he was saying, he said, and then he, he, after he said all he said, he said, do you guys heard of this? I don't even know who to do this. And then he said, oh, well, that church have, they get their doctrine from this dude. And I said, you see, that right there mm-hmm. is the problem. Yeah, because is. they're not getting it from the word of God. They're Absolutely. getting it from some dude. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, who, I, yeah. who feels that he has enough revelation and he has a lofty revelation that is beyond the word of God to the point where he now can take the word of God and disperse it from his own perspective so people can say, this is true. Yeah. And that's dangerous. It's a scary thing. Curse to those that add to or take away from. Absolutely. So, I'm excited. What a crowd tonight. Amen. Give God some praise. Amen. Amen. This is exciting. So I hope I hope you are as excited about this as I am. Amen. Uh, because there are some things that I have taught and preached in the past that uh, could be stumbling blocks mm. in our lives. Mm. And this study, I'm hoping, is going to remove some of those stuff. It's going to remove that and bring a, bring a liberty and a clarity to, to your walk with God that you're going to be, that you're going to lean more on Him than you do anything else. Amen. Amen. So let's bar our heads tonight. Let me ask Pastor Martha tomorrow if you just.